today we're starting a four-week series all of February. February is often a month that churches preach about relationships. And I guess because of Valentine's Day, I don't know. I think, I think the Bible's a little bigger than that. I think the relationships of February are bigger than just, you know, the day me and Michelle never remember to take until April. I think it's more than a dinner. It's a, it's a relationships about life with people. So we always try to preach our relationships, but broader than just the significant other, how can this be uh, impactful to any relationship? And so every year we try to think of a new creative way to spin our relationship series. And so today we're going we're gonna to do that. And um, I want to give you the passage on week one here, and then I'm going to give you a little bit overview of the whole, the whole series. First, Corinthians Chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian brothers and sisters. He says, I could, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it yet. Like Camilla, she's drinking milk. She can't give her meat yet. She's not ready. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? He kind of like put it back to answer their own question. Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? They're only servants. They're humans just like you, he's saying. And he's referring to himself here, Paul through whom, only servants, through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. God makes it grow, NIV says. So neither one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Y'all getting this? The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers. Look to your neighbor, tell them we are co-workers in God's service. I'll say that too, in God's service. What are we co-workers in? What are we co-workers in? Is it Pastor Jeff's service? No. What are we co-workers in? That's why being on time matters. That's why showing up every week matters because this is not for us. This is for God. And anything we do for God, we bring our best. It's out of excellence. Quit showing up late. It's for God. I dare you. Watch God change your life. Be prompt. Go for it. I'm telling you, God will change your soil. Sorry, I, I didn't try to preach today. I was going to talk about love all month because it's love month. But God says just, I don't know. I say, whatever, God, tell me what to do. And it comes out. Love you. Happy February. <laughs> Got you some chocolates. Somebody gave me some nut, nutter butters. <laughs> Thank you, Virginia. I know you're watching. Virginia sent me a box of nutter butters because last week I said there wasn't on a Target. <laughs> and so Jen shows up. That's her mom with nutter butters. So thank you, Jen. I will be fat more next week. Okay. Okay. Verse 9 again. This was so good, I totally digressed. For we are co-workers in God's service. You, oh, this kind of hurt. You are God's field. You're his field. 
God can't move without a field to grow a harvest in. And if you take away the field, you take away the harvest, you take away God's ability to move. Did you know Jesus said that many miracles can't be done in, in Nazareth because, because of a lack of faith, that if they just had a faith of a mustard seed, they could move a mountain? But people said, he just he's the carpenter's son. It's the same thing right here. You take away the field, it's because there's no faithfulness to get in the field. The laborers are few, the Bible says. Slow down, PJ. And I only had one cup of coffee today. You are God's field. We are his field. Hmm. You're God's building. I thought this was the building. No! This is a building, yes. This is not God's building. This is God's building. I mean, he owns it. He made it. The physical part is true. But wherever we take the field, that's us, that's us, is God's building. It's God's tabernacle. It's God's altar on and on. So don't ever let the brick and mortar get confused with the mission because that has nothing to do with the gospel. I mean, we need a building, but you take away the people, it's just a shell. We are the life in heaven's heartbeat. That's my series name today. In the building. The series is called Heaven's Heartbeat. I thought it was really cool because when you think of what is the core essence of life in heaven that represents everything God is. It's so simple, I bet one word would come to mind, and I'm not gonna give you any hits, but it's really popular this time of month. It is the word heart, yes, love. Christine, A for effort, because you actually tried to say something. <laughs> love. You know, I always heard God is love. Yeah, God is love. Yeah, he's so gracious, God is love. Like, I, it felt so shallow to me. Like, I know he's love, but what does that really mean? And so as I was writing this, ser- uh, this series, I was like, can I give him any meat on God is love? Like, it's so broad. And then it started getting real. I was, I was writing it, and I started crying in the sermons going, what am I digging into here? I'm revealing things that are, that are contradictory to love that God is. And so now I think that's the series. So, so what we're going to talk about is the things that, I, what I picked out is three things I won't give away the fourth week, that disturb the simplicity of God's love in our life. And as long as we keep these other things active, the simplicity of God's love will be disturbed in your life. And we'll keep fighting the same battles over and over because God's gospel was not meant to be complicated. It was meant to be simple. That's why, that's why the fisherman could go become the preacher because it was faithfulness that drove people. And so... Back to the basics of God's love, we have so complicated with our junk. Not the junk in my garage that I said I'll clean out this spring and another year goes by. The junk we keep in here that, that challenge God's love, active in our life. Heaven's heartbeat is God's love. The pulse in heaven that makes everything tick is God's love. Doom, 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 doom. I still think about the building announcement video with the heartbeat. But I got to redefine the heartbeat sound because this month it's about heaven's heartbeat, God's love. As we go through each week this month, we will address an emotion or behavior that prohibits the pulse of the relationships God designed us to have to beat fluidly and fruitfully. The things that prohibit that. When we let our emotions override, everybody say override, 
what we know. Come on, somebody. We poke fun because we know. We, just because we're Christian, don't, Christians don't have the wool over their eyes. They're, they're active with the light. Like, like we, we joke around with y'all, but I'm saying, like, like, we're supposed to be on alert and attentive to what is going on. Instead of like, ooh, I'm a sheep for the slaughter, throw me in. No, I'm here for Christ, and I'm paying attention to the wolves. That's the difference. So all that to say, we know. We know, but we choose, depending on the time of week, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, the time of day and the reason we choose to do something in place of God's love to a person, to a thing. Maybe we're on the receiving end. It's both directions for sure. When we let our feelings dictate the steps of how I engage with those closest to me, my relationships become less important to me than that emotion in the moment. When I let that emotion drive, that becomes more important to me. I'm not saying it's intentional, but until we recognize that's what happens, we can't correct it. Jesus shows us that love is greater than anything we can face or imagine, his love. However, what are we willing to allow, what are we allowing to get in the way of this love he's poured out? So today, so each week, it's going to be a math formula. And this week, anybody liked, uh, was it geometry that had the greater than, less than? What? what algebra? See, see, I, I was a C-minus student, 2.3 career GPA, you can tell. And I, I'm not ashamed of it. I did do better in college because I actually paid attention and showed up. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember some of those things. So today is love is greater than jealousy. So week one is love being greater than Jealousy. And next week, it's going to be love is greater than something else. And the third week, it's going to be love is greater than something else. And the fourth week, guess what? It's going to be love is greater than, yeah. Whoa, you guys are with it. Love it. (laughs) Is jealousy preventing me from loving like Jesus? I'm going to get them here and watch this. Who's excited for the, the new building? It's good. You ready to go after it? Cody, you ready to go after it? You ready to see this stage resurrected on that side of the wall and the lights come in and the media room go in there and people get excited for Jesus? Who's ready? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Stand to your feet if you're ready like you mean it. Get out your chair and stand to your feet like you mean it. Come on, somebody. Let's let's clap like you mean it. Wow, this is cool. How many of you were jealous this week? You can sit down. Ten air squats. One and two and three. No. Now, of all you, I'm preaching to myself, and I'm not saying this may be your emotion this week, but I'll get you in one of the three weeks, I promise, because we're all imperfect people living in Christ that need some polishing in our soil. How many were jealous this week over something? Anybody? Thank you for being transparent. Taz, I love it, bro. Taz was jealous. Anybody else? Just give me like a three, like you don't want to be, okay. Now we're getting real with some people. Thank you. Hey, hey, hey. Like it's subconscious, people. It's the culture we live in. Okay, okay. If you weren't jealous, some, just something, just something that is like, mm, yeah, yeah. Like size them up, judge them. Like, like I'm, I'm, that's not fair. Like that kind of thing. Or this week, or this week you witnessed someone doing that. Can I get a, can I get a, can I get a pinky for that? Amen, bro? 
Any pinkies that you witnessed jealousy this week in somebody else? It could have been because the person cut you off in the checkout line. That's jealousy, people. I've had so many people might get mad at me in parking lots in my day because I beat them to the spot. That's part of the game. Snooze, you lose. I quit that when we planted the church. I'll never forget this time at Lowe's. This lady was saying things in another tongue, and, uh, and it was just after election season, so she was already hot about the results of that. And, man, she was just telling me up and down because of me cutting through the Lowe's parking lot, I guess, fast. I said, sorry. Anyway, um, love is greater than jealousy. Is jealousy preventing me from loving like Jesus? So when you got fired up and then you say, yeah, I was jealous this week, Paul says you're not ready. I'm not saying you got to be perfect. But Paul says, listen up, Corinthians. You're not ready as you think. It's easy to get excited, but it's harder to stay ready. It's easy to, to, to profess it's hard to live that life. This is not a series about perfection. Don't leave going, he said I can't be a Christian because he said I'm not perfect. No, I didn't. I said you're not ready. So that's why to get ready, you need to add layers in improvement through the teaching, through the text, and revisit it. And guess what? This should encourage you. Nothing was different back then. He said it to them. You're not ready yet. You still are worldly. For since there is still jealousy, quarreling among you, are you not worldly? He's basically saying that is a trait of the world. And as long as you continue to exhibit it, and man, there is many others, let me tell you. Today's about jealousy, but church folk, especially, y'all go into some of the churches and you see the same things every week that you go, I don't remember that being in the Bible. Like, we become a Corinthian in that moment. Gossip's a huge one. You know how many church people think gossip is like okay? It is complete sin and against the scripture. Can I just be real? When you're talking about your brethren, I'm not gonna go into gossip here, it's about jealousy. Actually, maybe jealousy causes you to talk about your brother. Like, like that is just one personally to me that I have seen destroy people as a kid in church. And nobody thinks nothing of it. So this is the way it goes. That's the. I said, I don't want that. I want what the Bible says. And if I can't do it, I want to at least be following the path to show me how to improve that thing. So we've seen jealousy this week in ourselves and maybe somebody else. Paul says, if that's in us still, if there's room to grow. Is that the rapture? Oh, it's the furnace. Thank God, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I gotta get rid of this jealous thing in my heart first. We live in a TikTok culture. How I many like, what is it? I can't do it with my TikTok. I see one more of those TikTok videos doing the same choreography, come up with something new. Has anybody seen this? Does anybody know what TikTok is? Come on, the important things in life. Okay, TikTok reels have now rolled into Facebook reels, 
In fact, my dad says, what is this junk I'm seeing after your sermon in the, in the video list of Facebook? Like, I put it there. It's these, it's these like, like, what they do is there's these videos over and over of different people dancing, and they're funny sometimes, especially when it's a cat doing it. But it's like the same dance, and it's, it's the new level of comparison. Just so you know, if you want to get in with the people, the selfie is no longer enough. The duck face is no longer enough. You got to get in with the TikTok reels and be like, oh, cutesy in your, in your bikini or whatever. Yeah, me too. You want Vincent? Do it right. Put a bikini on. I'm just saying if you want to be with the world, I'm not saying you'd be welcome back to church, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'd still love you because Jesus loved me and loves you. I'd have to forgive you. But what, go check it out, okay? Go to Facebook Reels and just look at some of the stuff. It's all over Instagram. It's everywhere. And it's, it's a look-at-me culture. And when you live in a look-at-me culture, you live in a jealous culture because everything is comparison. I mean everything. Everything is based on how the next person looks. Everything. It's a TikTok culture. And it's not getting better it's getting worse. It's shifting. We're, we're shifting the culture into a greater need for comparison every time a new app comes out that has video functions. And we're talking about comparison because that is like the number one thing that triggers jealous thoughts. It's because when you become a comparer, you are always evaluating somebody else uh, to, to, to define you. And so, so as long as you always use somebody else to define you, you will always be broke because you'll keep buying the thing to impress the people and it goes out of date and has technical problems anyway until they do the software update or someone gets crushed on it because it's a Peloton tread. We won't talk about that. Yeah, they put passwords on the Peloton tread so you, your kids can't get hurt. It's like, don't let the kids play on the tread. Caleb, who, anyway... I made fun of that rule, and then Caleb went face first into the drywall because he was trying to dissect a Rubik's Cube while he was on the treadmill. Why am I sharing this? Because you can buy the next thing, like the cool fitness equipment or the cool this or that, and you can flex it to people, and you can keep, you can keep tooting that little flex wheel of, 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 of like that high of, woohoo, look at me, and then the next person goes and does something bigger. I mean, I'll never be the rock. So I just got to, I mean, after I watched his video, I gave up and said, I'm going to be completely selfless the rest of my life because the rock is amazing, has everything. So as long as I keep comparing to, to someone, there'll always be someone who has more, and then there'll always be this angst of like, well, if I'm not careful, and if I don't keep the right mindset, I now can start telling myself why they have it and I don't. Okay. And as those thoughts enter my garden, I can't be acting in God's love. I can't be living in God's love. I can't blame it on God's love out of ignorance. When God says, I didn't say they couldn't do that. Like we can, we can actually tell them like they're wrong for that. They shouldn't have nice things because really we just don't like it that they do. Or like someone said that Christians have to be poor and broken, miserable. I never read that scripture. And so, and so, like, if you're not, they judge you for that. And it's, like, weird. It's because, really, like, they just don't want to go get a job or something. I don't really know what the problem is, but they want to blame it on the Jesus card. Can I be real with y'all? Uh, just another money-grubbing church. 2018 Facebook ad comment. How you know what we want when you've never been to our church? You've never, you know, like, people are so full of that thing. That's the culture we live in. I'm not bitter. 
That's a different week. This is jealousy. We value ourselves based on what others have. And that's normal. And that's okay to the world. When comparison is standard, jealousy will always be in our heart. Always. Is jealousy preventing me from loving like Jesus? Here's the dangerous part of this, okay? I'm going to try to get a little more real with y'all. Can I do that? Are we okay on time? Everybody good? Everybody got four-wheel drive? There's no snow. The parking lot is our church. That's right, sister. The parking lot's good? Okay. When it starts as jealousy, it creates contention. And as you let that thing grow, it prohibits roots. And what happens is you start getting weeds in the garden. The Bible talks about the garden, the types of soil. Read the parable of the four soils when you go home today, I dare you. I challenge you. I never said I give homework, but go read the parable of the four soils. It, soils. it talks about the different, Jesus is talking about the different types of soils and what, what, what the enemy will do to your garden. This is your garden, and the soil has to be tilled on a regular. And so what happens is when you let jealousy, and it's like a weed, or it's like a thorn. The Bible refers to thorns as people suffocating the good root in your garden. And so, so, so jealousy is like, is like playing with the garden saying, how will you react? How will you react? And eventually the garden grabs some of that jealousy seed and starts growing contention. And that contention starts suffocating the good thing you had going, which is the simplicity of the gospel, God's love. And so now your week is ruined because of something so silly. When God's love's bigger than that, right? We said God's love is greater than jealousy. But how come in the moment we flip the equation? We flip the sign, right? But we would never say that. But we do that. We don't want to do that. We need to, we need to logic through it and go, no, I'm not having that today. No, I'm not letting it wreck my day again, what they did to me. Amen. Because contention prohibits good roots. It destroys relationships is what it does. I've seen people go MIA. They quit speaking. And you're like, what happened to them? You found out they had an issue and they didn't say anything, and they vanished. And sometimes they have your same bloodline. And you wonder what happened, and they, they had a problem. And really they had a problem with how good your life was. And they had a problem with how blessed you are. And they had a problem with faithfulness. That's jealousy. I mean, I hate to say it, but there's probably someone jealous of everyone in this room today because you live for God different. And I'm not, I'm not shaming them. I'm, I'm, I'm being real that, that that is a sign that you are living above the norm because people don't like that. People don't like that, and it stirs their own hearts, and that's a good thing. But when they let it stay there and it creates contention and they isolate from you, they never talk about it. They never reach out to Vincent and say, why are you sing so crazy and out of tune at church? Just kidding. <laughs> they never reach out and say, why are you so excited for God? They just look at you from a distance and go, he's weird. I'm never speaking to him again. They never get to know the truth in Vincent's heart. So we as the church have to do our best, and it's not easy, to try to stay connected with those people without letting them uh, change the equation sign on us. It's not easy to do. It's definitely easier to avoid them than to ask them. But contention is bad because what can happen is you can get to, a, and this could happen with yourself, you can get to a point where Someone can even approach you on it. And you say, okay, 
They leave the room, go right back to the same thing. Has anybody ever felt that? You, you, you reach out to them, you tell them you love them, you tell them it's all good, and they say, okay, I love you too, and they walk away, and they go right back to the same thing. That's the danger of jealousy, and that's what it is. And that's why it's damaging and destroying because, because it, it, it's, it's not rooting right. The remedy is not rooting right. Paul says, we got to get off milk. If, I've, I've used this illustration because it's so good. If Camilla just stays on milk forever, eventually she's going to be malnutrition because her, the pace of her growth is going to outweigh the nutrients she's getting out of the milk. And so when you feel that, it's not the pastor's fault, it's not the church's fault, God says get in your words some more and bring it back to the, to the, to the, the fundamentals and you'll see new things come out of the text, you'll see your, you'll see your Christian uh, interests change, like, like the music will change, like everything will change to you as you search for meat. Because milk is but a season. And so we have the Corinthian church who is good on the milk, but they're also full of quarreling and they're full of jealousy at the same time. That's why we preach culture so hard at church, because we don't want that in our culture at church either. It affects how the church's garden grows. It does. We don't want to stay Uncle Billy's church. We're one seed church. We don't want that culture. If we wanted that, we could have just kept that. So we are throwing that away and doing something fresh in the soil. And that's why it's got to be preached, it's got to be repeated, it's got to be reminded, because, because uh, the church is a mirror of what we do on our, on our own lives and vice versa. We can bring it into church. I do it all the time. I have, a, I have a, a calendar reminder on my phone. It says, smile, be happy on Sundays. Isn't that so encouraging to you guys? And it's nothing to do with the people. It's to do with me fighting my own battles. Because I can get so caught up in the process and in, in, in the, the thing that I got to remember, and then also when I was a kid, I just had this look on my face. Kids, the teachers thought I was always depressed when I was normal. One time they offered me counseling in the sixth grade because I was sitting outside of the gymnasium, just sitting there, life, life was good. And she says, are you okay? We have counselors if you need them. And I'll never forget that because I was totally fine. But I looked, I guess I had a serious look, so I still have this like serious face thing. So I, I'm still conscious of that since I was like nine. And... uh Smile, be happy, happy, happy. Three times it says, exclamation point. <laughs> it's okay to remind yourself because you need, you need to wake up sometimes. It's easy to go back to the habits. If I can't see it, I definitely can't address it. Look at your soil this week. Does your soil look the same as three years ago? Amen, Christine. Amen, Jen good. It should continually change. One time I asked it this way. I said, are you, are you still, uh, sorry, we're still dealing with some frequency issues. One time I asked the church, are you still creating the same mistakes you did three years ago? I said, if you are, something's wrong. We should be finding solutions and learning how to handle them differently. One time we had someone get so mad. This was outside of church, but someone who came to church. And I said, it's because you keep handling it the same way, this, this situation. He was actually mad at me. I said, I'm just telling you, like, 
is because you're, you're thinking this and you're not, you're not seeing it for what it really is and you're taking it a different way because that's what, that's, what, that's what your mind is taking it to be and that's not even what the sermon meant. And it was this groundbreaking moment for the person and they've never been the same since. And I'll never forget it because as a new pastor, it was like intimidating. And I'll, like they were mad, mad, like calling me names mad. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know I could do that to somebody with God's word. And that showed me something's happening in the soil. And that showed me that this, this, is, this is bigger than a, a, a protocol. This is, this is tilling, tilling the weeds out of someone's heart. And it, it changed their heart. It was so cool. And I love that person to death. And every time I see him, I hug him. I get, I get, I get a, a tear up because I love him that much. And I don't get to see him that often. But back to this jealousy thing. We're in this comparison culture of jealousy because we're comparing. And I don't know about you, but I was blessed to have a really good dad. And some of us didn't have that experience. And some of us had to deal with what we had, and I, and I totally understand that. But I'll never forget my dad living what was called the American dream. He never based his goal on what somebody else said he could do. And he, he may not even remember this, but this is how it was. That's why it's in me. That's why I see it in my brother. That's why I see it in my children, because now they're seeing their dad do it, is is when you go after something, you can't let what others have done or say be the influence if it's possible because they'll always say no, always. And so we've, we've learned to not use that formula. That's called the American dream. Does the people still believe that's real? The American dream's real? I wrote a paper in 10th grade about the American dream being real and a bunch of kids got mad at me and said, is this real for you? And I said, listen, brother, I said, I, I know you have a different, a different life than I do. I said, but if you go after it, this is in 10th grade I was preaching to this kid. I said, if you go after it, you can do whatever you want. No one can stop you if you're hungry enough to go after it. But as long as you keep saying that you can't do it because they, they did this to you, you will stay the same. I was 15. And I was mad that he said that he couldn't do it because I didn't believe that way. And there's definitely situations that prohibit people from having certain opportunities. That's not what I'm saying. But, but all success stories happen with someone going after it no matter what, regardless of what the world says. And so in this comparison culture, it feels like we're losing that, that mindset. That's where innovators come from. That's where inventors come from. Uh, new creation, like, like people that go after something to, to change the next step. And so I just want to encourage you that jealousy will make you feel like you can't and that it's not fair and will give you a reason to not do anything, to not do anything. I was talking to Joe, I'll just call him Joe, earlier this week, and he says, I know this is the devil trying to do this to me because I'm being very active with my faith. And I said, that's right. I said, the devil doesn't like leaders. The devil doesn't like you to stand up in the field and go, I'm for Jesus. He doesn't like that. And, and the comparison culture says, everybody stay down. That's what the comparison culture says. When they will, I will. That's the comparison culture. Jesus followers say, I will because he did for me. I'll be first. I'll be first. Why do I need them to validate me when I'm not defined by them? 
I am not defined by that relative who gets on my nerves every time we have a get-together. They don't define me now based on who I was when I was 10. They can quit telling me what I was when I was 10 because that's all they got left to use against me. You ever felt that? I am not the 10-year-old kid. I'm preaching to somebody else today. I'm talking to myself and maybe I'm talking to you. I am not that kid anymore. You quit telling me what you think I am because you don't really know who God made me into. Like, come on, somebody. And that's, that's, that's where you got to be. You got to spew that out. Rebuke it out. Get that out of here, Satan. Rebuke that jealousy out. Rebuke that comparison out. Rebuke that, that uh, contention out of the room. And if you have to just say Jesus loves you and his love's bigger than your ignorance. His love's bigger than what you think of me. His love's bigger than what you think this, that, and the, the church, and this, and these assessments from, from two years ago when you never came anyway. Like, Jesus, his love is bigger than that, and he loves you, and I pray someday you see it for what it is. And you just keep loving them. You just keep telling them how good God is. Because we're looking at a bigger picture. When we live blocked by jealousy, it causes us to live blind in the fields of glory. That's a good one. When you were jealous this week, when I was jealous this week, I'm living blind to the field of glory that One Seed Church is standing in. We got our 96 signs starting next Sunday. Let's pray they all go out and come back safely. It's a lot of signs, y'all, because we're standing in a field of glory. We've got all these things going on because because. Every time the world says that's foolish, we say, we're standing in the field of glory. Look at the field. Look at the field when they annoy you this week. Go out and look at the field when, when, when you feel like that's not fair what they have. Say, it's not about me. It's about the field. It's about this field we're, we're in. Remember, Paul says, you are the field. Oh, that means I got to look at myself standing in the field and it says that field is also the building as you are co-workers in the service for God. It's so good. Y'all getting this? This message is about seeing the minute um, insignificance of jealous behavior and overriding it with the bigger field of God's love that is unmeasurable, immeasurable, who loves you immeasurably more than you can think or imagine. If y'all could stand this morning. Look at the field today. Well, there wasn't so many people at church today. Well, I'll just be glad when 20 people show up more than last week. Like, look at the field and quit looking at the people who showed up. I'm just saying, yeah, that's cool. Look at the field. God's field is bigger than your comparison. God's field is bigger than your disagreement. The field matters because that's what brings harvest. The field matters. That's you all. That's me. That's Jen, Nalani, Cody, Ben, Kirk. That's everybody here. That's everybody that's attached to this church, even on an email subscribe list. That is the field. That is the legs. Look at the field. You'd be shocked at how many are in the field that you don't see on Sunday. Let me tell you that. I didn't know how big our church was until I saw the other list of all the people, it's, it's kind of funny like that. That's the way it goes. But I'm just saying like, 
The field is ripe and ready. And we're going to see it. But we can't let these little things that keep us on the milk, keep us on the milk. Got to get to the meat, get to the real mission, and get past the I'm new thing. Tell me about it. That's great. But now I'm ready to really be dedicated to this because I'm going to see all those little problems of what they said to me mean nothing anymore. They'll just go away because the way you get rid of them is that you go all in for somebody. It's that unconditional reach as, as Jesus followers that make, make the little attacks from the enemy laughable. Man, it's so good. And I could preach to this because I felt it and I can encourage you that it works. It works. God's field is bigger. The harvest is bigger. We can't be fully ready without Jesus in us. And Jesus has to be the center and forefront of my life and my decisions and my reactions and my emotions. I can't ditch God when I'm tired and crabby tonight at nine o'clock and the kids want to show me something. Let me just tell you a funny story and we'll close with this. We all have those windows. Mine's like late at night. Michelle had the baby and Michelle's in a rhythm. And so we, we've, we've run into this window of crabbiness between the two of us that we're, we've been through before. I mean, it's the fifth one. But, but what happens is in those moments, guess where you go back to the old behaviors? Can I be real with y'all? Has anybody else felt this before? Sorry, let me put my halo on the table for a minute. That's a joke. But I felt that the last year heavily. And that's because it's, it's a season. But what, what, what's cool about this time, Vincent, and, and versus the other four children, is I know what that is. I can feel the tug of the enemy trying to, trying to stir that soil, because here we are in the thick of some of the greatest season we've ever seen the church, the greatest change we've seen in people, uh, personal lives, church lives, you name it. And, and, the, and the enemy wants you to get caught up in something so dumb because the coffee was cold or because you, you were too loud or like, like the silly things. Look at the field. Look at the field. Let's pray, God, this is your month to show us how much bigger love is. Your love, you are love. There is nothing that can, can encapsulate the, the boundaries of your love. Your essence is love. There is nothing imperfect about love. Love is so pure. That means everything you are has to be represented by this heartbeat out of heaven, which is love. And so, so we pray that through the next four weeks, we come out of this thing leaving behind these little things that take us away from, from what really matters that take us away from, from the things that attack us by the enemy, that we can laugh them off this time. We can see different this time because the field is plentiful and we're ready to labor and we are laboring. We're in this for you, God. So we need that reminder. We need that encouragement that we, we need a hug from the Lord today. We need a hug from you, God. Just reach out your spiritual arms, God, and hug us today with your spirit, God. Touch your presence on us now, Lord because there is nothing more fundamental and powerful than your love. There is nothing that can, that can override anything that stresses us this week except your unconditional love. We give thanks for that now. We go into our week, no more jealousy, no more bitterness, no more anger, no more, no more contention. We're tired of that and that's done with. I leave it here today on the concrete floor. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name,